This morning we're continuing to look at the Ten Commandments, but moving on to the fifth. Those of you who are here for the first time, we've uh, studied the first four commandments together, and this morning we're going to be looking at the fifth. Lord willing, next week the sixth, and we'll keep moving at a little bit faster pace than we've we've taken with the um, fourth commandment. But anyway, uh, before we get going, let's let's take a moment to review. I skipped the review last week, so uh, some of you thought, okay, finally, I'm done. Nope, we're going to get back to it. Uh, let's see if we can do the short form of the Ten Commandments we've put out there for you to uh, memorize. Um, and I'll, I'll try to do it with you. When I get up here and start looking at some of your faces and seeing how you're going blank, I go blank too. So uh, you've got to help me by, by, by speaking out. Commandment number one, have no other gods. Two, make no idols. Three, speak well of God for God. Four, keep Sabbath day special. Five, honor father and mother. Six, seven, eight, commit no stealing. Nine, tell no lies against our neighbor. Ten, do not covet. All right, don't stop. Let's go backwards, all right? Number ten, do not covet. Eight, do not steal. Seven, commit no adultery, excuse me, murder, uh, adultery, right, gotcha, all right, six, do not commit murder, honor father and mother, four, keep the Sabbath day special, three, two, and one, have no other gods, all right, good job. <clears throat> I think, think we're getting them. It's harder going backwards. Next week, maybe we'll start in the middle, okay? See how you do. Uh, but to see if we can use the commandments as God's uh, word to us on how to better love Him, as Joey reminded us of the summary of the Ten Commandments. By the way, if you remember, I preached on that text. I started with the summary uh, and said there's really only two, but now let's go back and build it out and do the ten. Um, but... Uh, the more we learn these and are able to use them, the more they help us in every decision in life. Okay, decision I'm about to make. Will it enable me to love God? Go through the list. Will it enable me to love one another? Um, and the fifth commandment, I don't want us to forget as we get to it. The fifth commandment, of course, you know, is to honor our father and our mother. Well, don't forget that this is love language for God. God's our father in heaven. It's love language for God. It's also love language for our biological parents or those who have raised us on earth. It's a love for God and it's a love for one another. And we don't need to forget that's what the commandments are really about is our love language to God and, and one another. Now, as I was thinking about the whole honor command, um, honor something you just don't see much in the television shows that you, that you watch. And I just encourage you, as I was thinking about it more and more, um, I, I took you know, one of the most popular series for the last five years or so, been that Wednesday series from 8, 9, and 10, where you got, I don't know which the order is, but it's Chicago PD and Chicago Med and Chicago Fire. You know, a lot of people watch those. You look at a series like that, three different shows, and ask yourself, where in this show is an intact family where you've got a husband 
and a wife and kids leading a life like you and I lead, okay? And as you go through three different shows, you say, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. And they don't know, apparently, I mean, I get the impression Hollywood doesn't know how to do family. This whole woke mentality we've gotten into doesn't allow us to honor a father for being a father and a mother for being a mother or a parent for being a parent and a child for being a child and our Heavenly Father for being who He is. It's like that's off the table because we don't know how to do it. And we forget that as a church, under God, loving God and loving one another, we are by far so special and so loved that we get to exist and live in places of honor. Both in this time here where we, we, we've just spent 45 minutes just honoring God in our praises and in our giving and in our conversations and in our fellowship. And we get time after this in fellowship and discipleship to interact with one another and honor one another and build one another up. And most places in the world do not know that exists. And they don't know the benefit and the beauty of it. A lot of it comes back to this fifth commandment, to honor father and mother. And I want us to see that. You know, not only do you not, you see the absence of honor in a lot of TV shows. When they do throw in a parent talking to a child or a child talking to a parent... It's usually done with such disrespect. Matter of fact, the disrespect becomes a joke. A kid will say something slang or a curse uh, about their parents and the audience laughs. Or a parent will tell the kid to do something and under their breath, kind of off to the side so parents don't hear, yeah, they're stupid, we're not going to do that. And the audience laughs. And disrespect is made a joke. It's just something our society does not know how to do. They don't get the benefit and the beauty of it. So see how countercultural this command really is and how important for it is for us to be that light. I want, I want to show you this too also before we get going. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is a list of things that occur in the last days. The days in which people are turning away from God. And it's just interesting, in this list, the fifth commandment comes up. So 2 Timothy, chapter 3. Let me read the first five verses. It says, Understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. And here's the reason for the difficulty. Because people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, Abusive, and here's the one I didn't want you to miss, and disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. Now, in such a terrible list, 
Does it not shock you like a little bit like me? It's like, in that list, would you have put disobedience to parents? As one of these gruesome things that's happening when people are turning away from God? And yet that's in the list. It's, it's a foundational principle, really, for, for many of the others. If we don't know how to honor our authorities, our parents, we don't know how to honor God, then all these other things tend to develop uh, that are in the list. It's just a huge area uh, to consider as we think about honor and the importance of it. Well, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on definition. I think most of you get what honor is, what respect is. The word honor is um, a word that means heavy. It means weighty. It means substantive. It means adding value, adding significance. You're treating someone as having weight, as having substance, as being of value. And because they are of such value, you respect them. You treat them highly. You lift them up. That's the fifth commandment, that we're to do that with God, we're to do that with one another, we're to do that with our parents, we're to show them the value. Where do they get that value? The value is by divine design. You know, probably if your parents didn't have any children, you won't either, right? Think about it, hold on. So we all have parents. We don't come into this world except by design. We didn't wake up one day as a cell and choose to be born. There was a design that brought us here. That's divine. And God says, I want you to honor that. I want you to honor the father and the mother that I have chosen for you. They are people of value that have brought you into this world. We're to respect them. Um, Let's think about how important that is so that we we put some weight to this subject. Look at Exodus 21, verse 17. Exodus 21, verse 17. Very simple verse. Whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. Sounds a little strong, doesn't it? Our culture is just so contrary. Whoever curses his father and mother shall be put to death. Our our culture, cursing is glorified. If you curse somebody publicly, people people laugh. People get on your side. They applaud, applaud you. If you are a preacher... And you curse publicly in, in the service. You somehow put something down by cursing. Guess what? The talk is when the congregants go out to church, man, did you hear what our preacher said this morning? He is real. He tells it like it is. Hmm. There's something wrong with that. If you've got a preacher who has to be real by cursing, walk away. 
Because he's not giving honor. Cursing is to bring down. It's to slang. It's to mock. It's to devalue. Honor is to lift up. It's to add value. It's to show the weightiness of the lives God has given us. But we're in a time where people want to glorify what is destroying our culture. Uh, another passage I want you to consider to see how important it is. Look at Deuteronomy 21. This is a case study that the Scripture gives us right after the Ten Commandments in Exodus and after the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy 5. We get some case studies, and this is one of them I want you to see. Deuteronomy 21, and this is the case study of what's called the incorrigible child, okay? Excuse me, Deuteronomy 21, beginning at verse 19. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of the father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, still will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gate of the place where he lives. And they shall say to the elders of his city, This son of ours is stubborn and he's rebellious and he will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Now that just tells you his age, okay? We're not talking about a little child here. He's still considered a son. He's grown up in the home. He has been disciplined. But he keeps rebelling against mom and dad. And now he's of age where the parents say, you're eating a little bit too much there. Don't eat that. He said, I'm going to eat what I want. And he continues to eat until he's a glutton. And they say, I think you need to hold back on the drink. You're going a little bit too far. He says, no, I'm going to drink more. And he's a drunkard. He's of that kind of age is what the text tells us so that we know who we're dealing with here. Verse 21, then, so that's who you've got, then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge, notice the language, purge the evil from your midst, and all Israel shall hear and fear. There are some people that no longer need to be on this earth. God says, purge the evil. Purge it. We cannot allow the earth to continue having sons who will not honor their father and mother. Because where does that lead? That leads to chaos. There's no order. That leads to harm. That leads to destruction. That leads to no one with value and significance. That's how important this commandment is. And it's t- really terrifying to see how far our culture has gone from it. When you think of it, and you think of how it would have been treated differently in a society of believers who had civil power as they did here in the book of Deuteronomy. 
But we're under a different civil government. We're not our own civil government. And our government doesn't seem to think that way. That honors that important. We as a, a people need to get back to seeing how important honor is. Is God serious about the fifth commandment? It's pretty obvious. He's so serious, he's willing to take life. To show us how important this commandment is. God desires an ordered society. Our God is not a God of chaos. He is a God of order. And to have order, you must have structure. You must have authority. And he's given us authorities. He's given us parents over children. He's given us husbands over wives. He's given us elders over the church. He's given us employers over employees. He's given us the government over citizens. He's given us teachers over students. God has designed this world with structured authority. And the fifth commandment speaks to that structure. Just like Jesus says, you know, you've heard it said. He took the commandments and he expounded them to be really broader than most people were thinking. The fifth commandment is the same way. Honor your father and mother doesn't just mean your biological father and mother. He expands it to where you have fathers in the government and fathers in the school and fathers in the church and fathers in heaven. And you need to think of this command in, in a broad way, how it brings back honor and respect and value to the societies God has under us. So who should we honor? Let's look at some of those broad applications that God's given us. First of all, the biological parents that we have or the parents we may have been adopted into their family and they're the family that has raised us. Um, they should be honored. And why should they be honored? Let me give you a kind of one that you might not have just quickly thought of. Look at Hebrews 12, verse 9. Hebrews 12, verse 9. Hebrews 12, verse 9. As I got real quiet, that's cool. But just before it got quiet, we had children crying, and they were going out because they were about to be disciplined, right? All right, listen. Here it is, Hebrews 12, verse 9. Besides this, we have earthly fathers who disciplined us. And we respected them. We honored them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? Why did we honor them? We honored them because they disciplined us. You remember that? You look back when you get to a certain age in life. And I got spanked for lots of things. And as I've had that time to think and reflect, I thought my parents didn't always get it right. And I obviously didn't always live right. But as I tried to go back and think through the times I was disciplined, I couldn't come up with one single time that I didn't deserve it. I got away with a lot more, perhaps, than I got disciplined for can I get a witness? Did anybody else get away with stuff? Hey, yeah. But when we were disciplined, see, we were corrected. We were brought back in line. We were brought back on course. We were taught respect 
and honor. We were taught order instead of chaos. We were led away from destruction and harm. And when we go back and start thinking about the benefits of discipline, we say, I I needed that. And that wasn't easy. Sometimes you don't think about it until you become a parent. And you realize all those times your parent says, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And you're thinking, yeah, right. But then, then you get to be a parent and you say, this hurts me more than it hurts you. It's not easy to discipline. I'd, I'd much rather just let you, you run free. But when you stop to say, I'm not going to let you run free, I'm going to pull you back and there's going to be some correction here. And this is how we're going to do it. That's tough and it's not fun. For that moment, it is not fun. We get down the road and we respect it. And we honor it. Honor your father and mother because they're doing some hard stuff. They're thinking about where you're headed. They're thinking about your gifts. They're thinking about your calling. They're thinking about your temperament. They're trying to direct you. They're trying to lead you down the course they see God has put in front of you. They're trying to get you the education they think is best for you. And they're trying to put people around you that provide you with jobs and associations. And that's hard work. Honor them. Respect them for, for taking all of that on. Look at Colossians 3, verse 20. Another passage. Colossians 3, verse 20. It says, Children, obey your parents in everything. I want to throw that in. Honor your parents not just in the times where they disciplined you, but honor your parents in everything. Everything, and notice the next phrase, because this pleases the Lord. One of the time, one of the things I saw in our generously giving away candies by the trunk loads Wednesday is I'd see the grandparents, you know, just kind of standing back. I'd let the kids go and get the trunks of treats, and the grandparents are just beaming. It pleased them when they saw the pleasure of their kids and their grandkids and the generosity of others. It pleases them to see them walking in a, in a good course and having fun. And God is saying the same thing to us, that he's in heaven. And, and, and when we honor our fathers and mothers, which he has divinely placed over us, that God says, I stand back and I smile. I love seeing that about you. You're not doing an insignificant thing. You're doing something very valuable. You're keeping the structure I've designed for this world to spin on by honoring your father and mother. So do so in everything. doesn't say they have to be perfect. doesn't say they have to get it right. He says, but I'm pleased when you honor them. That's a big deal. Uh, third, uh, there's a, one way we honor our parents is sometimes by taking care of them. Our parents take care of us. I won't spend much time here. But you have example after example in Scripture. Uh, you have the example uh, of Joseph 
in the Old Testament of um, taking care of his dad, providing for his meals and his home, his place as he gets older. You have the example of Christ on the cross who yells out from the cross, Hey, John, pay attention to Mary, my mom. Behold, she's your mom now, and I want you to take care of her. You, you, and that's an act of honor to take care of those who need some provision and care as they get older. So honor our fathers and mothers, whether it's in our youth or whether it's in our old age. There's a place for respect and a high treatment because God put them there. It's by His design. Second, I want you to see not only honor our parents who raise us, but honor our state fathers, those that are also put over us in a governmental sense. Look at Isaiah 49. Verse 23. Just a quick description I want you to see. Isaiah 49. Verse 23 says, Kings shall be your foster fathers and their queens your nursing mothers. Interesting language. Uh, but God sees the, the government leader over you as your father and your mother. Not just your biological parents. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. Christ talking about his own example of submission um, to those around him. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17 says, Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. So they were under the Roman emperor. Roman rule during this time of this writing. And the command was, in the midst of honoring others, really everyone, don't neglect honoring the emperor. Nero was the emperor for much of this. And Nero hated Christians. He was anti-church. And yet the church is being asked to be respectful and to show honor. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, first couple of verses. Yes, we should vote. Yes, we should play a part in the welfare of our our nation, but here's one of the primary ways. First Timothy chapter two says, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Um, as we think about our responsibilities. We've got an election coming up very soon, and we vote. Uh, some of you told me this morning you've already uh, participated in early voting, and that's great. We need to participate. But I want to encourage you in the fifth commandment to honor your government by prayer. 
pray for leaders. And it, it's, it's an emphasis. Not only pray for them, ask for things for them. Supplication. Make requests for them. Intercession. Plead for them when they won't plead for themselves. You be the, the mediator between them and God. And as you do so, it will be a blessing to the land. It will bring peace in the midst of chaos. What will our prayers? Prayers that we offer up just because we are commanded to honor our government fathers. Again, they're not perfect. They don't get it. They might disagree on us in just about everything. And yet we're commanded to pray and show honor and value that they have a high position that changes things. We need to recognize that high position and honor them in that position, showing them the love and care of God. So our state fathers, um, I'll run out of time if I keep sharing other verses, but Romans 13, the first seven verses of Romans 13, Again, written at a very difficult time. And God says, these Roman authorities, they have the power of the sword. They can kill people. You have the power of prayer and submission. And I want you to submit to these governments. And I want you to pray for them and care for them and love them. See the importance that God places on honor to our fathers and mothers, even over us in the state or government. Third, Let's honor our church fathers. One of our church vows that we, we put before all of our church members, and I always kind of think it uh, just seems strange, and the only reason it seems strange is because our church fathers are kind of quiet. They're behind the scenes. They're always working and doing things, but we don't see them out front, perhaps, in a, in a strong way, and we wonder, why are we making this vow that we will submit to the discipline of our elders when it's rare that we see the discipline of our elders, and yet our elders discipline. And they're behind the scenes when people go astray, and when people leave the church, and they seek to follow up, and seek to say, well, you, you've made vows, and we don't try to make it hard on people, but you made a vow to come to us and submit to us, and let us be one of those fathers that directs you. And encourages you. Because it might be that you're on a wrong path. And you're going down you know, a course that's not going to be good for you. It's harm. And we've seen it enough times that we can share that with you and help you. God says we are to submit to our elders. Every church is to be ruled by elders. Regardless of your denomination. God has set up an authority in the church. And that's a rule by elders. And the rest of us are to be under that rule, just as we're under the state rule and we're under our family rules. We're to be under the rules in the church, and that leads to a place of great order. Um, give you a couple quick verses. Let me just read some. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, um, verse 1. Philippians 1, 1. Paul, Timothy, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to the saints in Christ Jesus, who are at Philippi with the overseers. Greek word is uh, elders and deacons. Um, 
we're writing to the church, but we're writing to also to elders and deacons, officers that God has put in place over the church. Look at Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Acts 20, verse 28. Love this passage. It gives me a lot to, to uh, think on. It says, Pay careful attention to yourselves, speaking to the elders, and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. What a command to elders. Say, you elders, pay attention now. Because, I mean, you can think of all of these fathers, your biological parents, They've literally given their life for you. They've risked their life to birth you. But God says, you know, think about what I've done to bring them into the world. That's a value. I've created these children in my image. Take care of them. Here he's saying to elders, he says, take care of the church. You're not only to pray for the church, you're to care for the church because I spilt my blood for these people. Don't forget that. I spilt my blood to obtain these people as my bride. So your job in overseeing the church and caring for the church is of utmost importance because I've entrusted you with people I laid my life down for. Now, our part, look at Hebrews 13, verse 17. Hebrews 13 Verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. It says, Make it easy on your elders. Don't make it hard on them. Don't bring complicated, messy stuff to them. Try to serve them with such a way that they're, they're happy, they're standing back, and they're pleased, and they're smiling. He says, because when you make it hard on them, they have to either get involved and discipline, or they have to step back and not discipline, and they are accountable to your soul, for your souls. And that's a tough place to be. And you don't want to be there unless you're called to be there. If you're called to be there, you step up to the plate and you do the work. The rest of us need to honor that. That's, again, a divine appointment that's not easy. One other place that talks about how we give to that. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11 and 12. It says... Encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Uh, it's just it's a clear passage for your elders to esteem them, to respect them, to 
see the significance of their work in caring for the church of Christ. Well, let me move on. We have our biological fathers, our state fathers, our church fathers. There's fathers in your workplace, leaders in the land all throughout, in every company, that, uh, again, don't think that those people are there by accident, that God didn't think through the significance of all of that or the structure of all of that. First Peter chapter 2, verse 18, speaks to, I think, that somewhat. Let me read it. First Peter chapter 2, verse 18 says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. And you've heard me say that now several times. You're not always going to have good people over you. And you're going to be in a work environment at times where the master, the one over you, you're under them. They might not be good. They might not be reasonable. But the chain of command is there nonetheless. And you need to respect it. And you need to be careful in how you respond to those over you and need to do so with great honor and great respect. And then um, lastly, but not least, think about our Heavenly Father when we think about the command. Look at the last book of the uh, Old Testament, Malachi, chapter 1. God brings up uh, this principle of honor when He's frustrated with these people that he's allowed to go back to Jerusalem and build the temple and have benefits and blessings. and they're, So they're building their homes. And again, and God says this to them, Malachi chapter 1, verse 6. He says, a, a son honors his father. A servant honors his master. He says, basically, I'm your father. Did you forget? If then I am a father, where's my honor? If I'm a master, where's my fear, says the Lord of hosts, to you, O priest, who despise my name. And he goes on to say, you know, but, but you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised when you offer blind animals in sacrifice. He just goes on and on to say, basically, the way you do church... It's second rate. It's like everything you're doing in church, it's just optional. It doesn't matter. You can use a meager amount when you give a large amount to something else and someone else and you give greater sacrifices somewhere else. Am I not the chief father? And he, he's like he looks down through the list of fathers we have on earth and says... I'm glad if you're doing all of that, but if you're neglecting me, you're missing it. So certainly, our Heavenly Father needs to be at the top of our list as we think through how we show honor. And we show honor to Him by obeying Him. We are His ambassadors. We're the servants under Him. You get to the book of Revelation chapter 4, and all of the angels and all the hosts cry out, Worthy, worthy, worthy are you, O Lord to receive honor and respect and glory because there's none higher, there's none greater than our Heavenly Father. Well, Fifth Commandment says that we need to honor all of these because it's clearly pleasing to God. And we've looked at that. One other part of that Fifth Commandment 
Look at uh, Ephesians 6, verse 2. It brings up the promise. Ephesians 6, verse 2. It says it clearly here, and we can go back and look at the command. Ephesians 6, 2 says, Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. And then kind of goes into it, verse 3, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Go back and read the command again with me. Let's look at Exodus chapter 20. And we see this promise that's in this command, different than the others. Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land and that that the Lord your God is giving you. So there's a promise. God says, I want you to honor your father and mother, and I'm going to promise you that if you do so, your days will be long in the land. You're going to live longer than you normally would have lived if you choose not to honor your father. You get to Ephesians, it says, remember, honor your father and mother, because it's the first commandment with a promise. This one was so important, so pleasing to God, that he, he tacked on an incentive to us that we would remember to do this to live longer. There's an advantage to living longer. Um, you remember the days before the flood. People of God lived hundreds and hundreds of years. But God saw dishonor and he saw disrespect. He says... Y'all are sinning continually. And he says, I'm going to bring a flood. Wipes out the earth. Starts over with Noah and his family. And he says, not only am I starting over with Noah and the family, I'm starting over with the number of years I'm going to let you live. I get sick and tired of seeing sin. And I want to cut it shorter. I'm not going to let it go on for hundreds and hundreds of years. So he determined in Genesis 6... We're going to make the lifespan of humans 120 years. It's going to be the top end. And you're not going to live hundreds and hundreds of years anymore. You're going to be cut short. And then we've seen it in our lifetime many times cut even shorter. And it's God telling us in this commandment, that's going to be my way. I mean, clearly we see children dying in the womb. We see children die in infancy. We see children die much younger. By the time you're my age, 30% of the population is dead that was born the same time I was born. And then it, it starts upping that number every year. None of us knows whether it's going to catch us today or not. But we have a promise that through honor, God says, I want to give you extended days instead of just cutting it short. Um, That's important. Shorter because of sin. Death's continually before us. Um, I thought, why why would I want to live longer? I'm not going to exhaust this subject, but the longer I live, the more influence I get to have. The more time 
with my family, my kids, with you, to train, to teach, the more I get to fulfill my calling. That's significant because that's multi-generational. There's impact way down the line. Jesus also told in one of his first sermons, he says, lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. Don't think your time on earth doesn't matter. You have an opportunity to do something here and deposit it in heaven. And that benefit will be yours. It'll be your treasure that you get to use in heaven. As soon as I die, my opportunity on earth is over. I can't lay up treasures in heaven. I'm there then. And that opportunity's gone. There is opportunity to stay. And we'll get to the next commandment where uh, we're not to murder and we're not to cut our own life short. But God says there's a reason for being here. And we all need to know why God has us here. And we need to be doing what God has for us to do so that we can lay up treasures in heaven and see the significance of that. So the honor command comes into play in all of those things. You know, as I look at these commandments, I have this thought that, well, a lot of people are going to think, I got this one, doesn't apply, don't need to hear much on this. And I hope this morning you begin to see, wow, there's a lot in my life that I need to address. Maybe there's fathers and mothers I haven't honored and I need to go to them. And I need to repent. And I need to give them the honor they are due. Because I've neglected that. And those might be in the workplace. Those might be in our government. Those might be in our home. Those might be in the church. Might just be our Heavenly Father. That we live our lives as though He's not in charge. And He doesn't issue commands and He doesn't give directions. And that we've become lovers of self to the the place where we just do what we want to do. And that's a place of dishonor and respect for Him. So there's a lot maybe we need to do just in the area of repentance, just in the area of reconciliation. There might be a lot we need to do in the area of prayer and supplication and intercession to show honor. There may be a lot this command encourages us to do to think of not only our value on earth, but the value of others around us on earth and how our job might just be to lift them up and to show them value. And to show them significance. How many of us here need to hear somebody say, I value you. And I'm so glad God put you on this earth. Your position means so much to me. And it does so much for me to know you. And to see you live for Jesus. We need that kind of ministry more and more and more. It comes back to the fifth commandment. Honoring, respecting those who are before us. That we might live long. Those are the people you want on earth. You don't want their candle to blow out before it's too soon. 
because they give so much to us. A good example of a life cut short, you remember Absalom? Absalom was such a son of promise. Even when he died, David couldn't believe it. He says, oh, Absalom, Absalom, Absalom. I wish somebody else had died besides you. It was just, he had such promise. The king's son, he could have been anything, could have done anything, had every resource at his feet. And his life is cut short. And why? Because he dishonored his dad. It was disobedience to the fifth commandment. And his life was cut short. And I wonder sometimes, there might be a lot of us that we're in that boat. We could go a lot longer. But it's only going to happen when we go with honor. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you would make us...